Hi, everyone. Uh, we have a great episode for you today. We had a lot of fun during this one. This is our first ever It's Really Not That Bad, an episode where we look at a movie that is often talked about as a bad movie, and we try to determine, is it really that bad? Our film today is 1995's post-apocalyptic action film, Waterworld, starring Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper, Janine Triplehorn, and Tina Majorino? I think I pronounced that right. And uh, we are joined today by my good friend, Captain Vance Lenny. You may remember him from such podcasts as Season 2's 1917, a film that would later go on to make our top 10 films on the cast. Check that out on YouTube. Um, so we had a great time on this show, had so much fun. So without further ado, on with the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the first time. I'm glad to be back. So let's, I need to get into this fast because um, this is this is a specialty episode. Um, we're doing the first ever season three episode. Um, this is it's not as bad as you think. And what you picked Waterworld, Kevin Costner, 1995 post-apocalyptic action film Waterworld. And like I ask everybody why did you pick this but before you get into why you picked this i want to explain that this meets the criteria for the specialty episode because as everybody knows Waterworld was not hugely successful so i'm curious in a season where all the guests are challenged to pick a movie that they think is going to appear in the top 10 you went with a movie that's not widely accepted as 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 being you know the, the blockbuster so i'm curious why Waterworld? so i remember watching this movie uh as a kid and like i thought it was great um and then i found out like once i got older that it was you know like not liked um or like didn't wasn't very successful um so I I watched it, you know, every time it comes on on TV, I'm like, I'm watching it, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove those guys wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I'm watching it. And and then when you actually like look at it, when you when you look at like the numbers, it actually didn't do as bad as everyone. I guess like ever in everyone's mind that it did. Right. Um, uh, which is which is interesting. It's one of the things I wanted yeah. to ask you about was. Um, so two part question. First, I want to say, I, I agree with you. I remember watching this as a kid. I don't really, I haven't you know, really seen it other than maybe here and there, you catch it on TV or whatever. One of the things I find so fascinating about doing the podcast is so oftentimes people pick movies that they love growing up. But when you ask them, it's like, oh, yo, I haven't seen it in like 10 years, or I haven't seen it like all the way through in like 10 years. And then they watch it for the podcast. And I got to ask you, did it change at all? Like watching it this time all the way through, did it change at all from when you remember it as a kid? Uh, yes, yes, it did. I some of the scenes, like when they were coming up, I remembered the scenes, and I just remembered them being like so much more emotional. <laughs> 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 like I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! This scene's about to come up." Uh, like, and then it happens, and I'm like, "Oh, that wasn't as bad as I remembered." <laughs> But so the second part of my question, what what do you remember about the movie as far as the the um 
the the buzz when it came out. Do you remember anything about like what people were saying about it or or why it maybe didn't do as good? Because like you said, if you look at the numbers, so budget wise, the movie at the time was the most expensive film ever made. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides holds the record right now at $378 million, but this one, $172 to $175 million is the budget. The box office return, $264 million. So it doesn't quite do double its budget, which is usually what we say is the, the, the hallmark of being the blockbuster. But it doesn't, it doesn't uh, it turns a profit at least, yeah. which is a positive thing. So what do you remember about the buzz? Uh, I mean, because you said you were young, right? Yeah. Well, when this movie came out, I was five, so I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I guess ridiculous. I guess I I wouldn't know. (laughs) Uh, You weren't you weren't big into like uh, movie reviews at five. mm, No. No, so so the, the stats, let, let's go through the stats of the movie. So released July 28th, 1995, uh, movie has a runtime of 135 minutes. That's about two hours and 15 minutes. But we're going to talk about that. That varies greatly depending on what version of the movie you watch. Um, then we already went over the, the, the numbers, but movies produced by Golden Company, also Kevin Costner himself, and yeah. distributed by Universal Pictures. Uh, it is directed by Kevin um Reynolds, who also does robin hood prince of thieves and the count of money crisco two great movies there is some debate though as to whether or not he gets director rights on this and we'll talk about that in a little while as well uh written by peter radar who does nothing good and david <laughs> who knows, literally the movie nothing good oh no i'm kidding i'm kidding he does nothing good um and then david Tuhoe. i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right t-w-o-h-y to Hoey, I'm going to go with. He also wrote The Fugitive, Pitch Black, uh, Riddick, and G.I. Jane. So he's got some good movies under his belt. Yeah. Uh, and this is based on a screenplay that uh, Peter Radar put together in 1986. The tagline for the film, Beyond the Horizon Lies the Secret to a New Beginning. The movie's rated PG-13 for intense scenes of action, violence, brief nudity, and language. So you were watching this. You're not watching when it came out, right? Like you're not five years old watching this PG-13. No, I think I watched it when it when it came out to VHS. My parents like rented it. We were big into movie rentals, as you would know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we rented it and then I watched it at home. So probably like what, like two years later, two or not usually the okay, so you're time back then. Young impressionable Vance, and you watch this yeah. movie and you love it. Yeah. So, had you have when was the last time you watched it all the way through, like start to finish? Uh, besides right before this podcast, it probably had been at least two years. Uh, oh, two years isn't that long though. I mean, so it's yeah. fairly recent. And does it still hold water yeah. to you? Is it still one of those like great films, or do you look at it now and just kind of more nostalgic reasons? I think. Well, and I just watched it on this last playthrough, so no, it must have been longer. Start to finish, it must have been longer than two years because, uh, like, I remembered the movie, um, but, like, there were some of the tie-ins, uh, like, with real-world stuff that I didn't, I guess, put together, like, that I just put together this watch-through, so it must right. have been longer than that, yeah. Um, does it still hold water? <laughs> um, 
I would say like I still enjoyed watching it, but there's just a lot of times where it's like this movie is two hours long, and like, do you really need to have the scene in there? <laughs> right. Well, so so is that the version you watched? Was the two hours and fifteen minutes? Yes. Yeah. So that's a that's a theatrical version. Um, yeah. so it, again, like we talked about, it was the most expensive film of all time. There was an extended cut that was released, which was over three hours long and explains more about the world and the people who live there. Oh, sure. Um, it spells, explains more about the smokers, religious beliefs, um, and their ability to kind of refine the crude oil, how they're, how they're able to do that. Because when you watch the theatrical cut, there is a ton of shit that they don't address. Yeah that like a serious continuity issues and we'll, and we'll definitely get into that as we talk about the, the movie but there's also a fan cut that was made that apparently was so good it was added to like the 20th anniversary release it's called the ulysses cut and is as of right now the most popular version of the movie oh i need to re- i need to revisit this yeah the the ulysses yeah. cut it, it was released with the box set when that came out. So for me walking into this uh, to watch it for the podcast, I do remember watching it as a kid. I'm sure I watched it all the way through, but I couldn't tell you the last time I did watch it all the way through. Um, I was probably like you said, I was uh, nine when this came out. So I'm sure I probably watched it around, around its release, nine, 10 years old. I remember it being a pretty good movie. But yeah. I, then, you know, having having worked more and more with some of the you know film and stuff, you start hearing about Waterworld being this big failure. But like you said, I looked up the numbers and I was kind of shocked that it wasn't really like I expected it to be a huge loss. But no, it, it turned a profit. And so so let's get into it. I mean, we we open with just right off the bat, Kevin Costner drinking his pee, drinking yeah. his own pee. Like first scene, first scene. I love in, in the in the ass shot. <laughs> I love the opening logo. They have the universal logo, and then it zooms in on the globe, and the ice melts, and it, it tells you the backstory of why we're walking into Kevin Costner on a boat, um, which was really cool. But immediately, he's peeing into a cup, pours it into some sort of filtration device, and then not only drinks it, gargles it, which is <laughs> just so much better. Yeah. Oh, and then feeds it to the plant, right? Yep, pours it on the plant. Yeah. Um, we're we're introduced to the smokers pretty early on as well. They that that's the name for anybody that is a gas user, somebody who uses gasoline. They are the uh, the pirates in this yeah. movie, if you will. A, a movie about people on boats in water, and we have these gas pirates, the smokers. So right off the bat, I'm like, how far into the future are we? You know, I'm at the, this is what I'm asking myself because they don't tell yeah. you. They don't yeah. say like 300 years in the future or anything like that. But it's far enough in the future where they're not wearing normal clothes. It's very clearly some sort of stitched together, like, I don't know, it, fabric, I guess. But where do they get fabric from? I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's no, no clue, no clue, right? Yeah. So. This is where I think that we're at like five minutes into the movie. This is where I think things start to go south for me when it comes to watching this film. Because <laughs> I'm like, they don't they don't address any of this. Now, long listeners of the podcast will understand that I am I'm a movie watcher who I need I enjoy rules. 
I enjoy yes. when the movie establishes yeah. rules and obeys yeah. those rules. Yeah. Um, it's a pet peeve of mine when they establish rules and then break them. But this movie goes one step further. It doesn't even establish any rules. It's just, this is just where we're at. Like, <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> so we find out Kevin, this again, very early on in the film, we find out Kevin Costner's character has gills behind his ears, which allows him to obviously breathe underwater. So are you thinking this is like a evolutionary thing or a mutation thing? So, yeah, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to know because you don't have a timeline at all. Right. But, um, so like, yeah, was he born with them? Did he acquire them somehow? Um, I mean, without, without knowing anything, the easiest way to go is that it's a mutation. Like, right. So at this point I'm estimating that it's, it could, it's probably in the 50 years in the future, at least, at least. Okay. So then we get uh, the little girl, we meet the little girl and her mom. Um, She's a really bad drawer. She doesn't do a good job drawing at all. Her name is Enola, which is alone backwards, which was so original. (laughs) Um, This role was originally offered to Anna Paquin who turned it down by the way. Um, so do you, we, we also get the character Deacon who is the head of the smokers. Now Deacon is a very interesting character. Uh, Deacon is played by, uh, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Hopper, who is amazing. Easy rider famously for being the bad guy in speed. Um, and he does a really good job in this role in the sense that he plays the cheesy nineties villain. Yeah. This role was offered to everybody else in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you ready for the list? This yeah. is everybody that was offered the role of Deacon in Waterworld before Dennis Hopper, Gene Hackman, uh, James can Gary Busey, Lawrence Fishburne, Gary Ullman, Samuel L. Jackson, who reportedly turned it down to do Die Hard with a Vengeance, which came out Good in May him. of 1995, which was a way better film. To me, that's my, yes. my, my favorite Die Hard movie. Yeah, um, same. But I, they literally went through everybody in Hollywood and then finally was like, I guess Dennis Hopper could do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Uh, also, quick quick side note: uh, Robert Zemeckis was uh, pursued to direct the movie, but he couldn't. He wouldn't commit to it. So finally, they they said forget it, and they went with uh, Kevin Reynolds. But can you imagine this movie as a as a Zemeckis film? That would have been really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, so we get to the little girl. She's a horrible drawer. Uh, her mother is very protective of her, and we see the tattoo she has on her, her back. Um, her mom makes an effort to cover it up. And first off, this girl's like eight, yes. six. Is that what they say? Six? I don't know. Yeah. She's six yeah. and eight years old. It's, yeah. And she's got a tattoo on her back. Oh, yeah. The, oh, we so all... we're introduced to the crazy um, uncle or the crazy, the mad scientist or whatever. Yeah. He He's great. So the tattoo the girl has on her back is literally a picture of a circle. And there's an arrow pointing up. And at the top of the circle, you have mountains. And then there's like some some numbers or something like some like Chinese hieroglyphics on the side or whatever. And yeah. he says, I haven't figured out the tattoo yet. <laughs> and I was like, what is there to figure out? It's pointing <laughs> to land. <laughs> like, what is, what is there to figure out? Mm-hmm. Um, so which 
the it's it's actually the longitude and latitude for Mount Everest. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Mount Everest, because get get it the oh, whole so floods. Yeah, Mount Everest is the Mount highest Everest. point. Yeah. It must be where land is. Anyway, um, one of the best. So Kevin Costner, he goes to this like enclosure of boats that has formed this little colony. The atoll. Um, yeah, they're they're. We when we when we walk in here, we're immediately greeted by this large pit in the center of this floating island, which is their their poop pit. It's it's their poop pit, and not only is it their poop pit, which why why do you have to save it? Why wouldn't you just let it go into the water? Oh, uh, I mean they're trying to create land. So with their poop? Yeah, I mean, well, so like I just came back from Korea. Uh they use human poop to fertilize and it's like normal, you know? Well, yeah, but I understand so, that poop is fertilized. But yeah. but I mean, they're trying to make a poop island? <laughs> they don't they don't even I think China's done that, that actually. Made a poop island? I think they were so I what I got from that is that they were they were using that pit. Holy uh, cow. To to make land, to make artificial land. Yes, that's because why they, they show somebody dying, yes. and they basically dump their body into the poop pit. Yeah, which for yeah. the record, they don't call it that. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know yeah. what they call it, but it's a poop um, pit. It's a giant. Yeah. Pit of poop. So the name that they had for it, I think, uh, I can't remember right now. Did I write it down? Um, uh, I don't know. I just called it sludge. Their sludge pit, but. It was like the the little ceremony they were doing was like we're returning you to the earth, like help us oh, so in gross. death. You are helping us, and they dump them in there, and they're hoping that like they're decompose and make land. So there's a point at this point in the movie. There's a reference made to how long it's been since this whole thing happened, and I don't remember the exact reference, but it's during this that you kind of get the idea that this might be a couple hundred years into the future. This is like, at this point, I'm thinking two to 300 years into the future. That's what I wrote down in my notes. This civilization, um, Kevin Costner shows them dry land. I have, I have dry land in a jug, obviously, because he's got gills. He can swim down there and get it. Nobody knows that though. They agree to trade with him. Um, He does his trading. He goes to leave and they basically ask him like, Will you sleep with one of our people? Which at this this was actually a pretty cool yeah. scene because they're thinking ahead. Like too much inbreeding here with us causes problems. You're an outsider. Can you essentially mix your stuff in here so we can keep just just you know yeah. uh, diversifying? Which I was like that, that that's smart. Kevin Costner's like no, I don't want to do that. And the reason why he doesn't want to do it is because he got gills. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to hang around because when they find out he has gills, they freak out and they lock him up. He's a mutation, which I don't understand. Why is that a problem? Is this like the whole X Men thing? Like you're just different, so we don't like you. <laughs> like I just yeah, I guess I, they don't really understand. They don't really explain it, but I mean, it, it's I just chalked it up to natural human instinct. Something different from you, you don't like it. Like here's my thing though: if he's got gills and he can swim down there and get you buckets yeah. of dirt. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just be nice to him and have right? Him or or why would you not like? Why would you not think like, hey, the future of the future of man is to have gills and be in the water? Yeah. Like, 
Like, let's well, create more guild people. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this breeding going on. Yeah. Um, right on top of our poop pit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they lock him up, and after locking him up, they get attacked by the smokers, who, by the way, apparently can make ammunition because. Yeah. They were shooting everything yeah. and just completely wasting bullets. They're they're every machine they have is running off of gas. So I'm thinking like, there's how in the hell do they have this much gas and ammunition? Yeah. And then on top of that, then we get a close up scene of Deacon who's smoking a cigarette. Yes. And I'm like, where did you get the cigarettes from, dude? <laughs> like this is freaking me out. Now. The best part about this is. Not only do they have jet skis, which they use to get into the facility and kind of, you know, wreak havoc, the jet skis at some points are pulling water skiers. Yeah. And and I can't remember the last time I watched an action movie where water skiers were involved. <laughs> I just really appreciated that. Yeah. So Kevin Costner falls into the poop pit. Yeah. He gets out of his little cage and essentially the mom and daughter say, we can get you out of here, but you got to take us with you. So he yeah. agrees. Soon as he's let out of the cage, he dives into the water. Now that now that he, he can be known to have gills, we see one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Kevin Costner jumps out of the water <laughs> like a dolphin. <laughs> Yes, and it is the great Dolphin Costner is the greatest scene I've ever watched in my. Because if you're not ready for it, and you yeah. see Kevin Costner come out of the water like a dolphin, it's amazing. <laughs> it's at this yes. point I wrote down really bad writing, and this is where I want to stop because in my research, you I got the real story of Waterworld and what has happened to this film and why it is as atrocious as it is. And the the reason for it is there's a lot of there's a lot of talk that basically Kevin Costner ruined this film. Yeah. Uh he notoriously did not get along with the director. Reynolds and, and Costner actually got into a huge fight. And Reynolds walked off, causing Costner to have to finish directing. And Reynolds uh, had this to say about Costner. Kevin Costner should only star in movies he directs. That way he can work with his favorite actor and his favorite director. <laughs> so that's why I, I was surprised he was still credited for being the director on this. Um, they use all of the available steel in Hawaii to build the sets. They had to have more flown in from California. And they had to have the airport runway extended to accommodate for the heavier plane delivering the steel. That's why this movie cost so much money. Kevin Costner invest, invested $22 million of his own money. Filming was shut down at one point because of a hurricane, which destroyed some of the sets, ruined some of the scenes. They had to do rewrites to accommodate for that. So at one point, uh, they had a huge, so many, so many rewrites during filming that at one point, Josh Whedon was actually flown in to do third act rewrites while they were filming the third act. And that was one of the biggest criticism the film got when it got released was that it was it was so incoherent and wasn't very well thought yeah. out or well planned out because they had so many, you know, hands in the cookie jar. Really, this was referred to as Kevin's Gate or Fishtar, which yeah. after Heaven's uh, yeah Heaven's Gate and Ishtar, two notoriously horrible films that you know did, did really bad at the box office. I mean, do you think Kevin Costner is what's wrong with this film? What what do you think of this? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think the first thing that's wrong with the film is that it was like, I've heard like, you know, basically it's like a Mad Max ripoff for the water. Yeah. So, so like that's kind of, I'm okay with If You you can pull that sort of movie off if you give me something good. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, they, I, I think that with that, they put themselves at like a slight disadvantage, but they could easily make that up um but yeah i think you have an actor who is you know who had just won well i think it was like four years before won uh like two oscars for a movie that he uh directed uh dance with wolves right and so now he's like i am the man like i'm the man yeah and (laughs) and and yeah his i'm the man i think is what really really ruin this movie yeah i mean the if if you guys haven't haven't read up on it uh do yourself a favor and and do some reading on kevin costner's acting career it's actually kind of sad he uh he got to a point in hollywood where he was really at the top of his game i mean between the bodyguard and dances with wolves um in robin hood he won some awards and got kind of full of himself then you had the Waterworld bust, Wyatt Earp happens, Tin Cup, uh, The Postman did really, really bad, although I love that movie. Um, <laughs> and he got kind of a reputation of being really hard to work with. And he goes on this run of, of not really being able to put out anything good. And it, you kind of see him humble himself. And he's had a, a bit of a resurgence. Um, I think it started with that, that movie he was in with um, um, oh, Mr. Brooks, the one with uh, the, the comedian. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the campfire chats. A DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetATowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. I forgot his name, damn. Um, Dane Cook. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I I like Postman. What was funny to me is, oh, I'm watching Waterworld, and I'm like, this is very similar to Postman. You got this kind of drifter who who goes to a, a place and, and kind of brings hope, um, and he has to pretend to be somebody that's better than he actually is. I think the difference is in this movie, Kevin Costner's character is kind of a dick. Like he's really oh, he's yeah. an asshole. Like there's no yeah. there's very little redeeming qualities about him. There's a, a no point in my like rooting for him or thinking he's going to do the, the good thing because quite often he does the wrong thing yes i like that I, about. <laughs> <laughs> so um so then him and the, him and the mom and the daughter they get out of the way of the smokers but the smokers are looking for the girl because they believe she has the map to dry land so they're going to hunt kevin costner down kevin costner and the mom are fighting there's a bunch of awkward scenes but one of the craziest part was he shows her what has happened to civilization by bringing her down 
underwater to, to show her that the civilization that once lived there, the, the buildings that are still rotting down there. Um, but he does it in a device, a dome device that he has in order to bring people underwater to show them this, even though he has gills and has no friends. So I'm not sure why he has this device. But so anyway. I, th- I think that can be explained by his like constant collection of things. I guess. I guess. Okay, maybe like, he thinks he can some trade things it. He has, some things he has just to like have. He's a hoarder, basically. I guess. I mean, the for, I will say this. The boat that he uses is pretty badass, and he knows yeah, how to work it really good. Like, obviously, it's just him, and he's got this you know, monster. Yeah, it's pretty dope. So, um, anyway, we also get a sneak peek of the smokers, and we see them. They're on a giant oil rig, which is, like, slowly running out of oil. So, again, I'm back to how long has this been? And you see that they're driving around the oil rig in a car. And I'm like, yeah. is this, there's no way this car is 300 years old. Are you ready for it? Although the exact year is never mentioned, production designer Dennis Gassner has suggested that it's set in 2500, exactly 505 years in the future from the release date. 505 years in the future. And this uh-huh. oil rig is still floating around the ocean with oil in it. And the car, which has been on the oil rig, how why a car was on an oil rig when this whole thing broke down, who knows, um, is not rusted out. This The jet skis still work. 505 years. Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, so here's my, here's my next question then. If it's 505 oh. years in the future, how does anybody know what land is? It's been generations since anybody's seen land. Yeah. yeah. Um... Well, so like for for the first thing, like how is this? How do they still have oil in this? Right. If they have over eleven million gallons of oil, right, right, and they're only using it for that one car, they're like hundreds of jet skis that they have, <laughs> and the plane, like that will last only... them a long. That will last if they're a long only time. using it for their hundreds of jet skis every <laughs> yeah, single day, just, but to, like, just to go but, around. But like that's still though that's that is so much oil. So and I they think have to use is, it to operate the the carrier. Uh, oh, to like power it, yes. Right. But like they don't. But you see later that it doesn't have any like engines that are running. Here's here's it's one thing I will a, say. I love that they have a guy in the tank whose job is just to be in the tank. <laughs> like this guy. So he opens the tank, right? To like see inside, see how much oil they have left. Yeah. And there's a guy who's just in a tugboat. And yeah. his job, like he's just all super pale, long hair. And his job is just to be in there measuring the oil. He's yeah. pro- never, you can't get out. There's no way yeah. to get out. So that means yeah. he's also probably pissing and shitting in the oil. Yeah. And how, what is he eating? You know, it's like uh, drop food down. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't This movie is so crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, um, but I'm saying, though, it's not unfathomable that they would have oil. <laughs> it is it's, It is realistic. It, it's It's not. 500 years in the future? Yeah. 500 that, years. That, that, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but like that, that specific vessel 
had more than 111 million yes. gallons. Yep, the the Valdez, um, Exxon Valdez, which is what it's later revealed to be, which is just crazy. But listen, I'm not even going to argue with you that it, that they haven't run out of it. Yeah. I'm going to argue with you that I don't think the vessel itself would still be operational 500 years into the future. That's insane. For a ship, 500 years? Mm. That would be like us I'm floating gonna... around in a ship from the 1500s. No, it wouldn't. A ship from the 1500s is going to be substantially different from that ship. Okay, I give you that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But still, 500 years, that's, that's crazy. And And like you see the bottom of it, the bottom of the ship, like it was just all covered in like oh, almost yeah. like coral, right? Yeah. So it's like, it like and it had it had holes in it everywhere, but like the bottom of it, I don't know. I think I get I'll suspend a little bit of belief, and then like, <laughs> and then it works. <laughs> uh, but how about this? Oh, let's get to the best part. The best part. So, so Costner, the mom, and the girl are floating out here on the boat. Yeah. He gets mad at the girl because she's drawing all over everything. Throws yeah. her into the water. Yeah. The mom then screams. She can't swim. Can't swim. <laughs> You're in a water world. Your entire world is water. How yeah. is that not something that's instilled at birth? You well, can't swim. You can't swim. This girl is like eight years old. What is she, what has she been doing the last eight years? What there's nothing yeah, to do you, besides swim. Yeah. Well, I guess at this point you would think that, but insane. At, at this point in the movie, as a watcher, you would think that, and I think that was on purpose. So, the smokers catch up. Yeah, they get the girl. They beat up Costner, and he's on now on a mission to get the girl back. So yeah. at this point, I think his character takes kind of a 90-degree angle. He goes from being really a dick with no redeeming qualities to Rambo. He's like Rambo. He's going to find the oil rig. He's going to get the girl back. And he does. He goes marching in there. Well, like, let's not forget that they consummate their relationship first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was so, like, that, that part right there, I was like movie has time for this <laughs> <laughs> there's I, I the beginning part of this movie costner's character in my opinion looks he just looks like somebody who's pissed off like and i i wonder if it's from what happened on set or whatever i mean he said that his character had to be wet the entire time and which wasn't the wasn't the worst part the worst part was in between takes they keep, they had people that were there with buckets of water that would just run up and just douse them with buckets of water. So, <laughs> so, awesome. so in between takes, uh, he's just getting blasted with buckets of water and he's yeah. pissing them off. So when they when they roll action, he just looks angry in That's every awesome. take. That's awesome. And then you can definitely tell that all the rewrites in the third act, because like I said, the third act takes yeah. a ninety degree angle. He becomes. Yeah. Rambo, he's gonna go in there, guns blazing on his own. He hops on a jet ski and is like, "Fuck you guys, I'm gonna go get the girl back." And he's like, two seconds ago, you're trying to drown her, and now you want to get her back." But whatever. So he finds the ship, he climbs aboard, he does like James Bond maneuvers through the ship, like taking people out covert style, and then just pop up 
on the on the top of the ship like i'm gonna i'm gonna beat up deacon let's do this <laughs> but there's no fight scene there's no big fight yeah yeah you're right um, he, get, he gets the girl and sneaks off the ship before blowing it up and that's really it well i mean it was pretty cool what he did with the the grabbing the ship with the yeah and then and then shooting the ship with or the plane with the uh the harpoon to keep it from taking off yeah that was cool the bungee jump thing was kind of stupid though <laughs> like they're in they're in a hot air balloon that's how that's their big yeah. getaway from the from the exile yeah. and uh the little girl like falls out of the hot air balloon for no reason and she's about to get gobbled up by all these smokers that are coming in at her. And he grabs a rope and like jumps off and does this bungee jump. Oh, grabs her out of the water. Yeah, and you you can't forget though that he had gotten shot earlier. Oh, right. right. That's the, right. Yeah. yeah, he got shot, and so he's doing this whole thing with a bullet hole in him. He kind of right. just like shrugs it off and it's, like it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, the the old man's like, "I figured out the tattoo. It's longitude and latitude." And I was like, "Yeah, I told you that like two hours ago." Um, yeah. Oh well, but, these, but how, how do they know what longitude and latitude are? So no, he figured it out from the uh, the newspaper clippings that they because we skipped that whole scene. Oh, where he's where he goes where to get the paper from the bottom of the gonna, ocean. He was gonna no no the uh, oh trader has it, and then he was uh, gonna trade the mom for yeah. He trades time with the mom, and yeah. they what what I love about this scene is you can just tell that the movie producers were like, listen, we can't use the words rape, we can't use the words hooker, prostitution, none of that. So you have this whole scene where two grown men are tiptoeing around this idea. Like, can I, can I buy time with her? Like just the two of us, can we be friends for a little while? Doctor's like, then he goes, then the guy's like, how much for the, for the wee one? Like, gross. Come on. It's just so ridiculous. But then Kevin Costner grabs the newspaper, reads it, gets his information, then rushes down there and is like, no, you're not doing this. No. So I know. I think he's looking at it. He's looking at the girl. And then this is, this scene is where he, he does that 90 degree turn as, as you would put it. Well, what what um, causes it though? What causes the turn? I'm fine with him. So doing I think, one, but give me a cause. No, uh, so I think, I, I think, uh, so the movie had, a, I would say way too much of them just floating out at sea. But in that, so like it's it's really easy to kind of skip over all those parts. But I think that's the problem, though. That's the problem with this movie. You're 100 percent right. It has way too much of this just floating out in the middle of the ocean. But that's all you can do when your premise is a water world. Like there's no other options. So I think uh, I I honestly think though that in that time that they spent, they did show like a slow like uh change in the character like th- like he goes from she has the crayons and like he's so fun he's so mad and he takes them and then like and then she's like he cuts their hair let's not forget that part he <laughs> chopped their hair off right and then it gets to the point where she gives him a picture that she drew of them and the and the crayon and he's like she won't take it again 
And then he takes the picture, looks at it, and it's like them like a happy family. And then he looks at it, and then he gives her the crayon back and says, and but, see, like, you're like, oh, no, he wouldn't do that. But he goes, I'm not giving it to her. Right. She's still mine. She can just borrow it. Yeah, it's still mine. So So like, so they, so they did, they did show the, you know, and then he teaches her how to swim. Like. Because he's a fish. Yeah. Literally. But. But he wouldn't have done that. Like, all he wanted was for them. Like, at the beginning, he was like, we should just throw her over immediately, right? That's and then even... now he's to the point where, where like, after he spent some time with them, which is going to happen, that's realistic to think. Like, you that's spend that better. much time with them. He, he teaches her how to swim in, like, a morning. And the mom <laughs> couldn't do it once in eight years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a horrible mother. Anyway, the guy, the old guy figures it out. Um, and they use their hot air balloon or a boat or some shit, and they end up making it to dry land. Yay! And they and leave, then, and they left all those people, those naysayers. Yeah. This but, is uh, this is what, one of my favorite parts is when <laughs> <laughs> they they make it to dry land, right? They yeah. find this hut that has two skeletons in it. Yeah. Very clearly, the parents of um, Alona. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And Kevin Costner goes, I think we should put them in the dirt. I think that was their way. <laughs> like, how would you know that? That's crazy. But anyway, he's like, listen, I'm a fish. This is land. It's not going to yeah. work. I'm it doesn't move the right way. Right. Um, and that's kind of the end of the movie. What What I do want to say is the stuff that took place after the movie, there was a novel written by Max Allen Collins and published by Arrow Books. It goes into greater detail about the world. Um, and I believe it was there's also a sequel four issue comic book called Waterworld Children of the Labyrinth or Labyrinth. Um, it was released in 1997. He is not a mutant but rather genetic experimentation was done on him that gave him the gills that was revealed oh. in the comic books. There was also several video games, including uh, one for Game Boy, Super Nintendo, and PC. And July 2021, it was announced Universal Cable Productions was an early development of a follow-up TV series. Yes. So for you See. Waterworld fans, it's coming. Top. Top one right there. <laughs> what do you think Top of the one. ending of the movie? Uh, um, you know, I didn't. I did like the fact that they made him leave, or like had him leave them. Um, like he gets them to land. Like that's where they need to be because they're peoples. He <laughs> is half fish, so he needs to go back to land. There's a little boat like his that was there. Um, get him out there, you know. Um. I I think you know it was it was a decent ending. I decent I ending. think it was a decent ending too. I I wish I, honestly this kind of ending makes me wish the movie was better because this is a pretty good ending. Um, so season three we see some changes to the podcast, including a change to the three questions. Uh, we got new ones this time, so here we go with our three Uh-oh. questions to help answer our podcast purpose. Was it a good movie? Question number one, 
Does the progress and rhythm of the movie fit? Okay. I'll say two hour runtime makes it when you're looking back at it, makes it seem a little convoluted, but I think as a whole, it does little. If you take, if you look at little segments, it's easy to, to um, be like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But, but if you look at it at aggregate, I think that, the the from him first picking them up right and him being a loner and you know and all of his interactions to when they uh like when he decides to go get her after after she's taken i think it all actually does make sense they do enough they do enough i will say just enough right to show a care some character progression in him to want to go get her so I love watching you answer that question while defending the movie because I've never watched somebody not believe their own bullshit as much as you with that, with that statement. This movie is two hours and 15 minutes, and the fact that a three-hour version exists makes me want to kill my goal. I want to watch it, was, it Where can I find this? Where I don't I... know, but this oh. torture. This move does the does the rhythm fit the move? No, the character development's horrible. He does a ninety degree shift because you had twelve writers on the film. That's absolutely not. Question two. <laughs> well, this would be a good one. What, if any, part of the film speaks to you, and why? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear the answer to this question. Oh, so you know what? So okay, I got it. I got this. What speaks to me? So this movie is a is a classic tale of even in the even in the nineties of human greed and human greed. Okay, so you got the Exxon Valdez. So this 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 incident, it's tied. It's tied, right? The the ice caps melt, the world floods. You have the Exxon Valdez, which spilled eleven million gallons of crude oil into. Uh, the ocean in 1989. So obviously the ice caps melted before that date because the ship is still uh, usable at this point. Right. right. So the reason why we're in this mess in the first place is because we, as humans, caused it. And that speaks to me. Speaks but that, here, here's my issue with that, though. That that was a 10 second scene in a two hour movie. They don't even go into detail about that. They don't even really talk about there. There is no mention about what caused the melt. In fact, there's really not even much mention about the melt in general. Just the fact that land exists and we want to find it. Yeah. But, I mean, we're so far in the future at this point. Like we're so far in the future, like none, none of them would even know why it happened. Like, so yes, they could narrate it to us, but instead they just dropped in some little, like they didn't use exposition to get us to, to think this way. Right. Like when he sits there under, uh, the, uh, the picture, which I can't remember the guy's name, the captain, yeah, the captain. Right. And he's like, Oh, hell, like we're going to make you proud. Like at that point I was like, wait, who is this guy? And I like looked him up real quick. And then I was like, oh, Exxon Valdez captain who like was 
Like people yeah, but are you saying have to look drunk. it up. That's my point. My my point is that I don't think the film does. If that really is a message of the film, it's so convoluted and so buried that it does not. It doesn't speak to me. And that's. I'm not. I'm not that answer. Um, and then the return of question three. What is the most? What is the most important sequence in the movie? Um, the most important sequence. Uh, so it, it had to be the like I spoke about earlier the the transition from him wanting to throw Anola off the off the boat to like letting her use his crayons. It's the poop That's... pit. It's the poop pit. I'm not letting you... no, no crayons. Poop pit. The fact that they introduced a poop pit and wanted you to believe that that was some sort of important part of the movie. Oh, the poop pit. It was about their religion. They worship poop. They're religion. All right. On a scale of one to ten, being horrible and ten being a masterpiece, what's your rating for Waterworld? Kevin Costner, nineteen ninety-five. I will give it a three point five. You know, I can respect that. I'll even round up to a four. Listen, <laughs> the, the movie wasn't like horrible. But it's it's not good. It's the the writing's no. really bad. And no. you know, honestly, if anything, it's worth watching just for a laugh. The fact that this was the most expensive movie, and now you look at the Marvel movies, and you're like, could you imagine? Could you imagine a Marvel movie coming out like this? Oh my <laughs> god, heads would roll. Be crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay. So let's move on to everyone's favorite game. Guess that tomato. That's where I challenge a guest to correctly identify the audience rating for your movie uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so it's zero to 100. What do you think Rotten Tomatoes audience rating for Waterworld is? Uh, so I think. I think a lot of people actually like Waterworld more than half. I'm going to go with 60 percent. 60%. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to give you three movies that are plus or minus 2% of the actual audience rating of Waterworld, and then it'll hopefully help you in your decision-making. Movie number one, Murder Mystery. Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston look for the killer to oh, their God. careers in this Netflix whodunit. Oh, God. Movie number two, Red Sparrow. Jennifer Lawrence does her first impression of Angelina Jolie in 2018, taking on 2010's Salt. Oh, God. That's not a good. And movie number three, What Men Want. The 2019 Taraji P. Henson film that proves that no one wants to know what men want to know. Holy crap. Okay, I guess... Maybe half of the people did not like this movie. But <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to change your guess for Waterworld? What did you say? Sixty something? I said sixty. Sixty. I mean, what do you want I'm to change? Gonna, it to? I'm gonna go down to forty-five. Forty-five. The correct answer is forty-three percent. You were you were close. You're off oh, by two. Okay. Nice. Forty-three yeah. percent of people wow. like this movie. That's about right. You gave it a three and a yeah. half. I gave it a four. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So does this movie still speak out to you? Is this still something that you would recommend or that you enjoy watching? Um, uh, I want to check out this three hour version. Um, and then I'll probably just put it, put it to rest for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe the three hour version changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. If so, if someone hasn't seen Waterworld, I'll say you need to watch this movie. It's a piece of, it's a piece of nineties history. Yeah, it's definitely cinema history. I mean, it, it was a big deal when it first came out, for sure. Um, but yeah, is it a good movie? Nah, no. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to pick something that would be hard, and I wanted to just try and try and see if I could, if I could sell it. But yeah, it, so for it's this, very hard. <laughs> this special episode, um, you know, is is was it really that bad? And for, I think for this one, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Modern world is really that bad. So uh, I think it was that bad, but like we said, it was not a failure, right? And it was not it's, a failure. And and it does have a following. So for sure, yeah. I mean, there are people yeah. out there that are hardcore Waterworld fans. I mean, clearly we're getting the the TV show, and I yeah. mean the concept is there. If they could pull this off, they could. If they can, if they can, you know somehow fix george lucas's uh episode one two and three then they can fix Waterworld. um so vance as you know it's a firm belief of the owners of don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something while it may not be comic books and movies maybe it's learning how to swim and uh i don't know blowing up the exxon valdez so <laughs> i gotta ask you what is it you're geeking out on right now uh i'm trying to uh get proficient in japanese um while i'm here i think that is uh if i can leave this island knowing like being conversationally uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh <laughs> not being, English. <laughs> i know uh um being yeah just being able to have conversations in japanese what i don't want to you got so far? say again what do you got so far uh so Oh, you want me to speak Japanese right yeah, can now? You, can you give us a okay. little Japanese real quick? Okay, okay, I got you. Hajime Maste. Watashi wa Vance Des. <laughs> What'd you just say? I said, nice to meet you. My name is Vance. Oh, all right. Look at that. Yeah. So and that's that's pretty cool. Knowing a second language is huge. So good for you yeah. on that. Yeah. So um the like the first year we were here didn't really have as much uh contact with you know the local population uh just because of covid but now i live off base all my neighbors are japanese uh i work with um actually in my office uh with japanese speakers so like every day i'm trying to learn new words and just conversate with them so so do, do a lot of people there know english too though uh like, no, if you didn't much. know japanese are you are you good or no um yes Actually, because I mean, there's like most of the military population here is not trying to learn Japanese. Um, <laughs> like, if you want to do more of like more complex stuff, like for me, I'm really into uh, cars. I think I talked about it last time. Um, mm-hmm. So when I bring my like, in order to get your work done on your car and not get like, you know, Taking bamboozled, yeah, <laughs> um, you can go to like more of the local shops and as long as you can like conversate with them a little bit uh and actually so the, a lot of japanese they even if they know english but they don't know it very well they won't want to speak it to you like because oh, they kind of they're, they're like embarrassed, embarrassed. Yeah. yeah so if you start off by like showing that you know some japanese 
uh, it <laughs> will actually up with bad Japanese. They'll feel comfortable. Yeah. Do bad yeah, yeah. English. Yes. Actually, actually, yes. They'll like, they'll laugh. They'll like kind of get excited and then they'll be more willing to help you. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm taking my kids to a Chinese buffet for the first time <laughs> <laughs> in like two weeks. I'm pretty excited about that. Which way, which one? Um, I don't know. The one there's one in Henrietta that's really good that yeah. I've gone to a couple times. But so my, my <laughs> we really want to talk about this. My wife hates going to buffets. And growing up, I mean, we were poor, so buffets were like the go-to yeah. place. If we're gonna pay for dinner, you're gonna eat the whole <laughs> day's worth of food tonight. So <laughs> like I love buffets. Yeah. But I've I I've been to buffet maybe two or three times. Um you know, since being with my wife because she won't go so i'll go during lunch or something with the guys but once covid hit so i haven't been to a buffet in like two years yeah so for for my birthday for my dinner of choice i'm like i'm taking the family to buffet. Buffet. i'm like if yeah. you guys don't want to eat anything you want to just sit there and watch me that's fine but i'm, I'm <laughs> nice oh man well oh. thanks so much for being on the show man i really appreciate it. anything you want to plug yeah. anything you want to say uh you know what Water World is not a bad movie as people think it is. Go watch it. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Thanks. Thanks again, Vince. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me.